Well, 1 Corinthians 15, we'll look at this in verse number 10. Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Some years ago, I, I read a, a story about a boy who was about 15 years old, and he came home from school, and he realized he didn't see his mom, and he went upstairs, and she was in bed. And he said, um, Mom, are you sick? And she says, yeah, actually I am. And he said, you know, what's wrong? And she said, you know, I just haven't been feeling well. And, and um, you know, I, I've been under the weather. And so while you're going at school, I've just been in bed. And um, I know that um, I usually make dinner around this time. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling well enough to, to do dinner. And so he says, well, Mom, um, I'm 15 now. And, um, you know, I'm... I'm I can do more and stuff, and you go, I'd be glad to carry you down to the kitchen, okay? <laughs> so you'll get that about 2.30 this afternoon. That's not the answer she was looking for. But, you know, she wasn't looking for someone to take her down to the kitchen. She was looking for someone to probably do the cooking that night, right? Uh, I wonder if you have ever found that you wish you had another hand, that you wish you had maybe someone to help you with the challenges you have. I wonder if you have a need in your life right now that you're kind of like, yeah, you know, people, you know, they make demands on me and I just, I just can't, I just can't keep doing this. Maybe you're going through something that no one else even in the church even knows about and you could use some help. I want to preach a message to you about the help that God wants to give to us And you could write this down, finding God's strength in your weakness. Finding God's strength in your weakness. In verse, chapter 15, verse number 10 of 1 Corinthians, and Paul gives the secret to his strength. He says, it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. Many times we think that we're supposed to just be stronger Christians. We're just supposed to just kind of you know, be stronger, be more self-disciplined, be, be more of a man if you're a man, or, you know, be a stronger woman and just kind of, just kind of soldier on. I don't know if you were ever raised in a family like that. Some people can be raised in a family where it's just like, you know, it's just, you know, you just got to do it. You just got to do it. You just got to do it. And you come to the point where you're kind of like, well, I just can't do it all. I can't even do the things that, I mean, maybe pastor is like a super Christian, and I'm just not a super Christian. You know, the, the, the book I talk about here, the Renew Your Mind Bible reading schedule with questions, uh, my dad used to read through the Bible two times every year, the whole Bible two times every year, and the New Testament four times. That's a lot, okay? Now, you may do more than that, I don't know, but that's a lot for me. Two times the whole Bible and the, and the New Testament two more times. And I never could keep up that with that pace, never. Never have I read the Bible through two times in a year. Now you might say, well, you're, not, you're a preacher, you're not very spiritual. I, yeah, right. <laughs> I need a lot of help. And the older I get, the more help I think I need and know I need. And the older I get, the more problems I know I have. 
And I think it comes to a point where we need to admit that we've all got a lot of things the Lord needs to do in our life, right? Now, the, I'm not saying that means the Lord needs to get me the place where his, I don't know that his will for me is to read the Bible through two times in a year. Maybe it is. I, I don't feel that that is the need right now. I'm, I'm focused, trying to focus on meditation of the Bible, which is, is highlighted very highly in the Bible that is the thing that brings success and prospering in God's will. But nevertheless, as I get older, I realize there are a lot of things that I need help with. And if you talk to my wife, she'll tell you all my problems, probably, okay? Uh, I don't know how long you have, but uh, um, if you just kind of want to sit over in the corner of the auditorium, she has a long list. And um, is that true, honey? No, she's just a small list. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate that. We rehearsed that last night for her to say that. So, but a lot of things that we need help on. And God's not looking for super Christians. You know that? God's not looking for me to say, look at this, behind my tie, can you see it? It's a red letter. And I undo the button, you see part of an S, and you see the whole thing, and it says, S, super Christian, super Dave, okay? Super preacher, super husband, super dad, super saint, super double scoop of ice cream, whatever, okay? I'm not super anything. And the thing is, there's only one super Christian. There's only one person who's ever done it all right. And he's willing to help us. And Paul here does not say, because I'm so special. Look at verse number 9. He says this, For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet or fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, but rather by the grace of God, I am what I am. What God wants us to do every day of our life is to find his special grace for the next step of the journey. He's not looking for a workaholic. He's not looking for the perfect wife. He's not looking for the perfect teenager. He's not looking for someone who's never messed up. He's looking for someone who's going to step into this matter of living in the grace of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, can you go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6? Just over one book, obviously. It's chapter 6, 2 Corinthians 6, 1. We then as workers together with him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. So God has grace for us, but it can be received in vain. Hebrews 13, 13 to 14 talks about that a person can fail of the grace of God. So it's a message on God's grace, but I'm calling it finding God's strength in your weakness, and we'll see why. He says, be careful that you don't fail of the grace of God, because what will happen is, according to Hebrews 13, 15 to 16, is that if you fail the grace of God, you can become bitter. I wonder how many of you might have struggled with bitterness over your life. I have in the past. How do you get bitter? We say, well, someone did something to me, or someone did something to, you know, uh, to our family, or someone has treated us a certain way, or someone I care about, they've said bad things, or they've lied about them, or they've hurt this, uh, them, or whatever it might be. And if they weren't that way, and they've never asked forgiveness, and they've never come around, and sure, I'm, I, I'm bitter. I shouldn't be, but I am, because the thing is, we don't get bitter because of what someone does. We get bitter, the reason we get bitter is because God's grace was there 
in that offense, and I didn't receive it. I didn't receive the grace to do the next right thing. And therefore, that thing can bubble up inside of me and it can be like a brick in my heart. You know, someone has said, bitterness is anger gone cold. So it's just like, yeah, I used to be angry, but now, you know, I'll maybe, I don't want to use the word bitter because I know I'm not supposed to be bitter, but all I can do is think about that. And you want to know how you're, you want to know how you're, to know if you're bitter? Bitterness always comes with instant replay. Just like in football games or basketball games, the instant replay or March Madness, look at that shot he just made. And they show it and show it and they show it and you can see it over and over again. person who's bitter is instant replaying all the time. That offense that happened or the thing that person said or the fact that they were wronged or the fact that that person sinned against you. But we don't want to fail the grace of God because not only become bitter, but you can also become profane. It talks about a profane person like Esau. Profaneness is someone who's just not treating spiritual things as very valuable at all. And you just kind of become worldly and worldly-minded. But God's grace is there to help us. Can you go with me to the book of Hebrews for a moment? Hebrews chapter 14. So let's head more toward the back of the New Testament there. Hebrews 4, I'm sorry, Hebrews 4. Didn't you catch that? 14, that would not have been helpful. Hebrews chapter number 4. Look at verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let me give you a short definition of grace. And if you get, have a chance to write notes, maybe you want to write this down. You know what God's grace is? God's grace is, grace is God's help at your point of need. Verse number 16 says you can find grace to help in time of need. What, it, what is God's grace? Help in time of need. And if you're like me, do you only need God's grace like once or twice a week? Do we only need God's help every once in a while? No, I have continual needs throughout the day. And at my point of need, God wants to give me his grace. So first of all, let's look at this. If you're taking some notes, preachers usually have an outline. And here's outline point number one. Let's look at the need for God's grace. Let's look at the need for God's strength. Again, we're looking at finding God's strength in, in our weakness. What is, the, what is the need? Well, is your life very stressful? You know, years ago, I was speaking to a bunch of um, seasoned saints. I was speaking to a, a group of um, older folks that was may, were maybe um, six, you know, late 60s, maybe early 70s. It was a, like a senior saint Sunday school class. You know, and now, this is not a slam at all. I'm getting older, by the way, all the time. It was offensive to me, but the other day I got in the mail something from AARP. Okay? I mean, talk about getting bitter. I was bitter for a while, Okay? <laughs> How dare they think I'm old enough or recognize that I'm AARP? Come on. That's for older people, right? And you're like, that's why you got it, brother. <laughs> but I was thinking, you know, here's these folks who've been retired maybe for 20 years, and at that time I was quite a bit younger, and I thought, you know, I got stress in my life. But, you know, if you're retired, you probably have like no stress. And I asked him, I said, how many of you? Life is stressful. 
Nearly every hand went up. Isn't that interesting? The point is that at every level of your life, there's going to be things like stress. There's going to be things like stress, whether it's on the job or just the demands of life or, you know, when, when we're younger, raising our children. Wives, maybe your husband creates a great amount of stress for you. Can I get an amen on that? Maybe there's just personal needs that you have, but the fact is we need God's strength. We need God's power. Not the least of the reasons is because many times we're very personally deficient. I wonder if anyone here can admit like that. You haven't arrived and you have a long way to go, right? Long way to go. Personally deficient. Sometimes when we're newer in the Christian faith, we, just, we do think, well, I've got, you know, I'm a pretty good person, which is a, you know, a few tweaks are needed. It's like, you know, I got a good computer. It just needs to be, add a little more memory to it or whatever, you know, and then I'll have, you know, I'll have exactly what I need. It's like, I'm a pretty good Christian. I just, you know, little tweaks here and there, but, um, and as I already referred to, as you get older, you realize that's not who I am at all. I'm not a really great person with a few things here and there and be tweaked. See, because God's grace comes to people who don't think they are already okay. God's grace comes to people who realize, I need help. That's what grace comes to. That's who grace comes to. Grace comes to people who need salvation. I wonder if you're here today and, and you don't know, it was mentioned a minute ago, you know, what happens one minute after you die? You know, it's a one minute. It'll even be less than that, but, you know, when you wake up tomorrow morning, if, you're not, if your heart's not beating and God has called your number, whose will those things be that you have provided for? So you can have life insurance and you can have things taken care of, but where will your soul be when when someone's having your funeral and the casket's down here at the funeral home and people are saying all those nice things, where are you going to be, really? And the grace of God that brings salvation, 2 Corinthians 6 says, hath appeared to all men. And you need to go and realize that today is the day of salvation. God's grace is there for you at your time of need, and if he speaks to you about you have a need of nailing it down, that if something happened to you, as, as random as it might be in the moment, like thinking, well, I, you know, I'm finally, I'm finally fine, I'm probably not going to die. It's like, what is your life? For you know what, not what tomorrow holds, right? It's just your life is like a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. I'm not trying to scare anybody, but it's good to think about these things, isn't it? Because there are people right now there's only two places you go that you can go. You just want to make sure that you know there is a time when you turn to God and said, I need you. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that he needed to die for me. Again, I was, I'm not like a really good person that kind of needs, you know, like I believe in God. I've always believed in God and I'll probably go to heaven because I've been, you know, a pretty good person. I was a good mom or good dad or, you know, I've given to the, you know, blood drives or I've given to the cancer society or I'll help people who need help and I've tried to be a good person. Well, we're not talking about being good, are we? Heaven has never been based on being good. So why are we talking about being good? Heaven is based upon shed blood. 
of somebody else. And Jesus himself, the creator of the world, died for sinners. Not because we were about 95% there and he's, you know, like, oh yeah, Jesus, you know, like, I believe, you know, and he'll like bump me across the finish line. It's like, no, you're not 95% there and he kind of helps you. He didn't die for people who are 95% there. He died for people who were 0% there. We had no hope without God in the world. Is that true? So if you're here today, and let's say, you know, I don't know if this is the first time you've been in this church, so I'm sure it's not like this every Sunday. I just feel like God wanted me to say something about salvation. But the good news is this. If you're a sinner, and you would realize that you're on your way to hell, because Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, right? So he didn't come to find people who are already found, and just, you know, God's going to give you a high five on your way into heaven because you've lived such a great life. It's like, no, he came to find people who were lost, so the way you get saved is, first of all, to get lost, <laughs> to admit you're lost. Amen? Amen? To admit that he died for sinners, and everybody's a sinner, and that means he died for me. And if you realize that you're a sinner, that means you qualify. It means you qualify. If we don't want to say that we're sinners, we don't say, well, you know, we've got a few issues. But no, if we don't realize that the just thing for God to do is to send all sinners to hell. That's it. You say, that's pretty strong. I didn't write the rules. But we all know that we were all born sinners in Romans 3.10. There's none that good doeth good, no, not one. So if I turn to Jesus and his grace, for by grace are you saved through faith. And I have to admit I'm lost, I mean, I deserve God's judgment, but Jesus died for people in that same category. If I turn to him, I'll have it. So the grace can be received or not. It can be found or not. But the need for God's grace and strength is those of us who need it and are conscious of it. Who are the recipients of God's grace? Well, who gets it? And this is where my outline is going to be. We're going to focus on this. Who gets God's grace and strength for the journey? Where can I get the strength I need to do the next right thing? Maybe you're a mom here that you are just overwhelmed with your responsibilities at home. Maybe you work a full-time job and still have responsibilities at home. Maybe you're a person who's lost your spouse and, and you just don't know how you know, you're going to keep going on and, and you, you, know, you wish things hadn't turned out how they have turned out. This is where God's strength comes to a person. And the first point is this. The first person who gets God's strength is those who know they're weak. I have to, first of all, realize I am weak. In fact, let's just go to 2 Corinthians Chapter number 12. We were in 1 Corinthians and then 2 Corinthians, but just go a few more chapters over. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. This will be a very familiar passage here. I'm sure that it's been preached on many times. Maybe you've preached on it yourself or, or talked to ladies about it or something. If you're a lady or if you're a man, maybe you've spoken on this before or quoted it or memorized it. But 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, Paul says in verse 7, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, 
that it might depart from me, so the, the thorn. And he said to me, my grace, as we're speaking on, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in, what's the next word? Weakness. And it goes on, but the first thing we want to look at is, who gets God's strength? Who gets God's grace, which is his help in time of need? First of all, the person who's realizing that they're weak. The key to the Christian life begins when I realize I'm weak, that I don't have it all together, that I'm not just being falsely humble when I say there's no S underneath this shirt, a super Christian. I realize that even as a preacher, if I'm going to be able to help anybody, it's not because I got some great outline or because I have some um, funny story or, or um, you know, something like that. I have to realize that I'm completely weak. Have you ever thought to yourself that the, the equivalent of like in the dictionary, go to the word weak and there's your picture? I mean, we really got to realize that I'm not somebody that's... I mean, Maybe God's blessed me, or maybe God's given me some human ability, but these are, these are things of God's grace. Paul was spiritual enough to have written essentially half the New Testament, right? He's a very spiritual man. He'd, he had seen revelations that God said you can't even tell, talk about. He had been caught to the third heaven. He could heal people. All these things. He saw the Lord. But he realized at the end of the day, I, I'm the least of all of them. I'm the least of everybody I know. That's right. I was reading the other day a passage and it said, our job essentially is to keep ourselves as nothing before God and man. And, and that's helped me because my role is to, is to be nothing before God and man. That doesn't mean I'm just going to be some you know, wimpy thing that, you know, never talks to anybody or just kind of stays in the corner because I'm less nothing. I'm not, you know, don't even look at me. I don't, you know, I'm not worthy to even be looked at. You know, we have handshaking time. I'm like, no, you're, you know, not worthy to even shake your hand. No, we're talking about that in our own understanding of ourselves. That we're the least likely person that God could use. Can you admit that? It's like, why would, he say, why would he have saved me? He could have saved somebody else. Why did he save me? Why did he give me, in our, in our case, both my wife and I, we have a Christian, Christian families behind us. Our parents were both Christians. Both our pa uh, ch uh, parents were church planners. We grew up in Christian school, and, and we grew up with Christian friends and all sorts of stuff, but we're, not, we're nothing. And I've got to start there, where I really realize that I'm weak. Not a humble statement, where I'm kind of like, I want someone, I, I want to say to Brother Hoover, I want to say, Brother Hoover, um, I, I'm a weak Christian, and, and what I'm really hoping, you know, he does is say, no, Brother Brady, you're not. Stop. You are amazing. Okay. But that's what I'm hoping, right? Because then I'll be like, well, yeah, you know, I sort of am, you know. <laughs> and so I use the humble route to kind of draw it out of somebody else. No, it's not so. And, and you can know what you're like between you and the Lord, but the key is being nothingness, not just before God, but before man. You know, it would solve all my problems with other people 
if I was just realizing I'm just nothing. I don't have to stand up. I don't have to demand my rights. I don't have to, you know, debate this or argue this or fight for what's right. And you don't see the Lord doing that. You don't see the Lord always being like, you know who you're talking to here? I gave you a breath. I can take it away. No, even the Lord says, you know, come to me so I'm meek and lowly. So God's trying to help us to be meek and lowly. So we have to be conscious of our weakness. So in other words, we are weak already. Is that true? I mean, we are weak, but the question is, do we know it? Do you know it, husbands? You know, I, I preached over the years in many times to Mother's Days and Father's Days. And, you know, on Mother's Day, who do we preach to? The, the mothers? Okay, follow Come on, let's go. All right. Um, it's, you only have one or two ways to go. On Mother's Day, we preach to... Yeah, good. If you said fathers, we'll, we'll talk afterwards. So then, on Father's Day, we preach to fathers. All right. And Mother's Day is a little more difficult because you want to be appropriate and you want to be nice. And, you know, mothers work hard, don't they? And, um, you know, so you say all these things. When it comes to men, it's like, let me go. Because oftentimes, we men are just like scoundrels, aren't we? Some of you men are starting to get upset, and I'm going to keep going, Okay. Sometimes our, uh, we men are knuckleheads. Sometimes we men are, we, we drop the ball on our responsibilities. Is that true, anybody? Say that. Amen. You say it's not you, but you know, you've heard, read about stuff like this, right? <laughs> and we've got to get to the point where we say, you know, I'm not super dad. I, I, I'm weak. And the, the thing is, God already knows it. But do I know it? Do you know it? Are we just kind of self-reliant, self-absorbed? So God wants us to realize our condition is weakness, and that's who he's going to give his grace to. That's who he's going to give his help to. That's who he's going to give his strength to. So you have to be aware that you are that. Paul even says it, who wrote half the New Testament, who already said he says, look at verse 9 again. The Lord says, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says this, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Let's say the last phrase together. For when I am weak, then am I strong. See, what's going on here is that the Lord is saying, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul says, I'm going to glory in my infirmities. And it's the exact same word as the word weakness in the phrase above it, except it's in the plural. It's translated the word infirmities. It's the same word in the language of the New Testament as the word weakness. And Paul says, I'm going to glory in my infirmities, but it's in the plural. In other words, he's going to say, the Lord says, the way you're going to be strong, Paul, is when my strength kicks in. God is going to be faithful to you, and God gives his grace, his strength, as long as he finds someone who's weak. God's grace is for weakness. It's not for strength. 
We are never strong in and of ourselves. Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm supposed to have spiritual strength. But it's never something that bubbles up from me organically. It's never something that is innate. It's never something that I just have because, look, I'm a good Christian. So there are battles to win. There are trials to withstand. There are things to do that are going to take strength. And it does say be strong, but it's a passive verb. I'm not strong. I'm going to be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. The only way I become strong is learning that God gives his grace to weak people. By the way, this passage here in verse number 9, it says this, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Those of you who know the, the language of the New Testament, it's written in the Greek, it's the word dunamis. It's where we get the word what? Dynamite. So languages are based on past languages and, and, and past etymology and things like this and uh, the, uh, the, the word uh, underneath it and how you build the words and the idea here of God's power is a, an explosive power. But it comes to people who realize, I don't have it. I wonder how many of us need this message today in the sense that we often are encouraged, and I've done this before, so this is not about any pastor saying something, but we tend to preach messages as if, if you'll just be a better Christian, you could do this or that or that. What it comes down to is there are no better Christians. There's only weak Christians that get a hold of God's strength. So really, our message is not that I just need to be more disciplined and, you know, read my Bible more, and if I can't read it in the time frames I have, I need to get up a little earlier, and it's like, well, sure, that's all true. And who's going to do it? Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. This is not some type of popularity thing. This is not some type of where I'm like, Brother Paul is up here, and I'm a little here, and other people are down here, and every once in a while you hear about someone who's up here, it's like, what is that? Comparing ourselves among ourselves is not wise. You know who Paul compares himself to? The lowest. Jesus in Philippians says he came out of heaven, made himself of no reputation. Are you a person who wants reputation? Oh, you like the, the, the applause of man. You like, you like the, you know, the pastor to you know, say your name from the pulpit, like, you know, thanks for the hard work, and I'm not saying that's wrong, and I hope that happens, but the point is, I don't, I don't live for, to, my, to please my pastor. If I do, it's going to be a rough life. Because God, I'm not to answer to him. I'm answering to God for my life. I'm going to live it the way God wants me to through his strength. And as I live right, by God's strength, the pastor will notice. But he'll notice people who climb the ladder the right way. Not those who love the, the, the important seats of the feast, but the people who take the low road because that's who they are. Sometimes my wife and I all have these conversations, and this is not about that we're not supposed to be confident and that we can just, you know, but when it comes to, I wonder if you're a person who has a hard time witnessing because you're shy. Or you really don't know what to say. 
you know? And you just kind of admire the people who, you know, they seem to always have an answer and, you know, they're just really good at this. And you know what? Just glory in your weakness. God's looking for someone who doesn't know what to say. It doesn't mean you, you don't try to learn because we're really ready always to give an answer. It doesn't mean you won't try to read your Bible and, and pray about it. But you know who God wants to use? Someone who realizes, I could know what to say and it's not going to help anybody. Because people aren't saved by what I say. People are saved by the power of God. Amen. And if I will get full of the power of God and open my mouth, then God can open their heart and they can get saved. But he uses the weak things of this world to confound the mighty. Hebrews 11. Can you go with me to Hebrews chapter 11? Look at verse number 34. He's recounting all sorts of people who did great things. Look at verse 33, who, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Can you read the next phrase with me, please? Out of weakness were made strong. You say, how do you get into, how, how do these people get into Hebrews 11? Doing all these great things. Well, I don't know, but you know how you get in? By being weak. And realizing, you know, how you, you know how you please God? He loves weakness because his strength is perfected, his strength is matured. His strength is brought to its intended end in your weakness. So let me explain. Is this a true statement? God has all power? Yes. Yeah? Do you know what, though? His power, in some ways, does have limits. Because his goal is to take that power all the way to his intended goal. And his intended goal is to do his power's work through you. And that's what, I mean, this is Jesus talking. If you have red letters in your Bible, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 is red letters. St. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. The word perfect is, again, brought to its intended goal. And how does God's strength get to its intended goal? By me being here and saying, you know what, I, I, I could use your strength. I need your strength to witness to my neighbors. I need your strength to respond correctly, rightly to my wife. I need your grace to, to be patient when my kids are being bad. I need your grace to not be proud if somebody says, oh, you're a good preacher. When they don't even know, they don't even know me. And God says, you know what? My strength, I can create universes, but that's not the end of it. There's an intended goal, in it, and it happens to be involving humans. And my friend, if you'll just say to God, God, you can do everything, but there are things, I don't know how to say this, and Pastor Hoover can correct it later if it needs to be. Sorry, brother. But there are some things God can't do. 
We know he can't lie. We know he can't sin. And one thing that he can't do is he's not going to make me serve him. He's going to use me if I want to be used. He's not, I'm not a puppet. I'm not a machine. He's not going to take my arm and throw me against the wall until I say, uncle. He's just going to say, you know what? My strength comes to weak people, Dave. And the question is, Dave, are you weak? Oh, are you so strong? Oh, man, you're strong. You got a strong will. You got strong opinions. And God just wants me to just go low. And his strength and his power gets its in, reaches its intended goal all throughout the universe when his people just line up and say, be strong in me, work in me, do something great through me. See, God wants us to live Christ-like, but not of ourselves, but of him. And he just wants me to be a person who receives his grace for today. His grace to tomorrow get up and go to work, if that's what his will is for you. His grace is tomorrow to get up and realize that I'm supposed to be kind, but I can't be kind. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, not a fruit of me. And I get up tomorrow and say, I can't, I can't be kind, can't have love, can't have joy like I'm supposed to. Peace, long-suffering, patience. Goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. I can't have any of those. These are fruits of the Spirit. These are results of the Spirit. And if I realize, you know what, I don't have the love I'm supposed to have for my wife in and of myself. My wife's a wonderful person. But she's not perfect. I mean, sorry, but right? I mean, I'll, I'll be in trouble later, so if someone give me a ride home, I'd really appreciate it, but... <laughs> She's like me. She's just weak. You know what a marriage is? A marriage is two weak people living together. And if someone becomes strong in that marriage in and of themselves, it's going to make a mess. And if I model weakness for her and just say, you know, and, and often ask for forgiveness, ask her. You know, some, some hunters, you know, they have notches on their gun, you know, for deers they've killed. My wife has notches somewhere. You know, all the times, you know, I've come back to her and said, please forgive me. And if I'm weak and she's weak, you know, there's a really good chance our kids are going to see Christ. Because what they're going to see is strength. Amen. And they're going to realize, my dad's not super dad. My dad, I've seen him fall. I've seen him fail. I've seen him get upset. I've seen him be impatient. I've seen him be irritated. I've seen him say things he shouldn't have said. But he knows Jesus, and he knows how to tell us how to get strong. My friend, if you don't know how to get strong, you'll never be able to tell someone else how to get strong. And you'll always be telling your kids, just obey because it's right. Just be nice to your sister. Don't fight. Talk to me respectfully. And we're pointing them to themselves. I'm almost done. Psalm 4017, 
but I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. The, the key is to be needy. The key is to be weak. Isaiah 40, 29. He giveth power to the faint. And to them who have no might, he increases strength. Verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I wonder if you're here today and you're a Christian worker in this church and you feel like you're out ready to faint. You feel like there's, there's things that you're doing and maybe you don't know. It could be the pastor and his wife. You know, ministry is, is, is difficult. And we can get to the point where we hit a wall and we can't communicate that from the pulpit. And then there's all these situations. I learned, I was in pastoral ministry for 25 years. I started when I was two. And, you, and there's, there's all these things that go on behind the scenes that people don't understand. There's great amounts of stabbing in the back of the pastor or his wife or their family. If you've been in ministry, you know what I'm talking about. And who's sufficient for these things? And we can't communicate it from the pulpit, but sometimes we can hit a wall. And God's saying to us, weakness is good. I'm attracted to weakness. That's what I want. And I want you to look to me in your weakness. Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. As we try to wrap this up, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Are you heavy laden today? And I will give you rest Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's that word again. It means have no power. God doesn't want you strong in yourself. God wants to meet you in your weakness. But you have to be weak in your own sight. God wants us to be dependent on him. You know, in our families and when our children are young, you know, they, they, they crawl on, on us and they want to be with us and they want us to hold them. And it's good and normal, but when they're 45, you just don't want that anymore, do you? <laughs> but you know what God does? God wants me at 45. I'm not 45, but we'll just go there for a minute. God wants me at 45 to crawl into his lap and say I'm poor and needy. But you think upon people who are needy and poor. It doesn't mean we're going to be down in the dumps and walk around with a depressed face. We're not giving out trophies today for the most depressed person in the room. But there's great hope when you begin to acknowledge your need. Amen? 1 Corinthians 1, 27, I already read the verse, but quoted it, but God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. You know, you all have a town here to reach, right? I know your pastor's all about trying to reach town and minister to people in this town. You know what God's looking for? The weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. There's no way we can do God's work without being weak. He doesn't want us weak in our faith. He wants us strong in faith, but we're weak in and of ourselves. Secondly, we're almost done. I'll skate through these. God's grace comes to those who know they're weak. Secondly, it comes to those who are humble. James 4, 6, God resists the proud, but giveth grace to who? The humble. He doesn't give grace to anybody except the weak. 
and he gives grace to the humble. The mindset of humility is everything I have, everything I am is because of God, period. God cannot use a person for his glory who wants to be the headline of their own success story. 1 Corinthians 1, 27, God has chosen the base things of the world, things that are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence, that according to it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And finally, God's strength comes to those who are desperate. We won't go there, but in Luke chapter 8, there's a woman who has an issue of blood. She's had it for many years. And you remember the story, don't you? The crowd is thronging Jesus. And she's got no hope left. And a thought comes to her head. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, right? Remember the story? Let me ask you, where'd you get that? There's no other miracle in the Bible where someone touched the garment of Jesus that, at that point and was healed. And she says to herself, he's all I have, but I, I can't get to him. I'm so sick. And somehow Jesus allowed himself to walk close enough. And we don't know if she threw herself down. We don't know if she, she leaped. We don't know if she crawled. We don't know what she did. But somehow, can I borrow this for a second? He reaches out. And she touches that thing. And the Lord stops the whole parade and says this. Who touched me? And the disciples were like, Lord, please. Everybody's like thronging you and everybody's jostling and everyone's pushing. He had, no, no. Somebody who needed me just touched me because virtue has gone out of me. And the lady comes trembling and she throws herself down. He says, you're the one. And she was healed from that day. And my friend, as we close, you know what God's looking for? And I'm sorry that I'm kind of emotional right now. God's looking for someone who says, I've got big problems. But I've got a big God. Amen. And I'm going to go to him. Amen. And I'm going to be weak. And I'm not going to be trying to be super Christian or act like I have all the answers. And I'm willing for God to humble me. And I'm desperate. And God comes through for desperate people, doesn't he? Every miracle, every miracle in the Bible, you might find an exception. I don't think you will. Every miracle in the Bible happened because somebody was desperate. Figure it out. Think about it. Every miracle. People were in need. People were at the Red Sea and the enemy behind them and the sea in front of them. Need. The widow lady of Zarephath, she has no more food except one more meal. And the prophet comes and says, make a meal for me. And she's like, we don't have any more. We're going to eat the food and die. And he's like, no, you won't. Because I'm from the Lord. And I'm sorry, folks, but I'm just saying, I wonder if you just need to bow the knee today and say, God, your grace comes to people who know their need. They know they're weak. And they're humble. And they're desperate. If you're here today and you're not saved, you can get saved today. God's just looking for someone who wants to be saved. If you're here today and you're a believer and you know that something's very challenging for you, 
almost impossible. And God's saying, that's okay. I'm attracted to impossible situations. Just reach out. Throw yourself at my feet. Say, weakness, nothingness, brokenness. At the end of the line, I've hit the wall. And it's like, now you got my attention. Because my strength is made perfect in weakness. Can you pray with me this morning? Heads bowed and eyes closed. There's a song that says, I need thee every hour. Need thee every hour. Ron Hamilton has a song that says, Lord, I need you. When the sea is blowing strong, Lord, I need you. When the waves of life are calm. We need God when it's rough and when it's easy. Father, I pray that you would speak to individuals today. Maybe, maybe someone can identify with that, that poor woman who had no one else to turn to. Lord, maybe someone's here, maybe a couple here in their marriage, and they're just, it's not firing right. Things are not right in their family. Maybe someone's here and they have a rebellious child. Maybe someone here is very anxious about what tomorrow holds or what the next year holds or what's going to happen with their job or their finances. Or maybe someone's here has got a tremendous sin problem. And the goal is not for them to just come out of here saying, I'm going to try to do better tomorrow. I'm going to try to do better tomorrow. They won't do better tomorrow. We never do better tomorrow unless you're the, the central figure. Help us, Lord, I pray. If there's someone here who's not saved, may they realize they're not saved. There's one direction they need to look. They need to look to Jesus in their need. Repent. Believe that they're a sinner deserving of hell. And Jesus died for them. And if they will simply believe, he will grant them what they never will deserve. He'll give them the gift of his own son, of his own eternal life. Lord, help us.